Hey everybody, uh, so we have a uh, special congratulations due. Uh, one of our team, Jess, she just got engaged. Congratulations. Congratulations, Jess. Jess. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, just to kick it off, what, what do you think are the important things to discuss with your partner about your finances? Sure, well, thank you again, and thanks for having me. Um, you know, there's a few things here. I think just in general, communication is key when it comes to talking through your finances with your partner. Um, but there are two things that I think are, are pretty crucial. Um, you know, the first thing is setting goals. Um, you know, are you looking to save money for a house? Is it money for a much needed vacation? Um, I know for my fiance and I, it's our wedding and then eventually upgrading from an apartment to a house. Um, but, you know, talking about those future goals and keeping them in mind while planning out your finances is a good way to set yourself up for success in the future. Um, and then similarly, planning a budget. Um, establishing a budget and sorting out your expenses is a great way to manage collective finances successfully. Um, it helps you to work more efficiently toward achieving those long-term goals and avoid spending beyond your means. Um, you know, not everyone is perfect when it comes to budgeting. I know that I most definitely am not. Um, that's that's an understatement. Very, yeah. very few people are perfect when it comes to budgeting. Super <laughs> difficult. Um, but, you know, following a budget, no matter how perfect you are at it, is definitely uh, one of the most important things you can do. Planning it is just simply not enough in this case. Yeah, definitely. I, I know one of the things that was important when, when I got married, you know, way back when, um, was choosing what those top level items were especially from a wedding perspective. You know, if, if you try to blow out everything, it, you know, you're going you're gonna to destroy your budget almost immediately. So we, we kind of chose kind of our top three things. Of course, for me, I love to eat. So food was, food was the important thing for me. For my wife, it was the, uh, the videographer and photographer. So, you know, we probably spent a good quarter of our budget just on that stuff. Uh, Sean, Jackie, uh, what, what about you guys? Well, I got married back in the Stone Ages. So. <laughs> <laughs> you can go first, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I, um, <clears throat> me and my wife, it was an interesting situation because when we were planning on getting married, we we first initially planned on that traditional large wedding, invite a lot of guests. We have a, you know, the venue, the the flowers, the food, the DJ. And as we got into it, so this is probably poor planning on our part, but as we got further into kind of the cost that was associated with it, we made the decision to pull back, actually not have that large traditional wedding, um, have something very much more low key, um, a smaller amount of guests. We did it and my parents had a very large backyard at the time. We did it in their backyard. Um, it was still very, very nice, but we saved a tremendous amount of money doing it that way. And that put us in a better situation to purchase our first home less than a year later. So again, planning probably could have been a little you know, a little bit better on our end, but in the end it worked out and it fit within our, our budget and what we were looking to hope to do in the future. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to have your wedding at the Taj Mahal, you know, it, no. it can be a town hall and, and save, save some money. Yep. I, I, I know I have some friends that, that did it that way and they took a much more exciting honeymoon, you know, they, mm -hmm. they could afford a much better honeymoon that way. So, uh, it's all about what matters to you. How about you, Jackie? Yeah, we did exactly that. We booked the honeymoon before we booked the wedding venue because <laughs> we really wanted to do the traveling. And um, my husband's one of nine. And um, yeah, that's always fun. So when you think about all the people that you had on the list from a family perspective, 
you're right, Sean, it was turning into almost several hundred people. So we definitely uh, took a different approach. We actually had um, sort of a, a, a little different approach by renting a place um, actually in Madison, New Jersey, where we're going to open a branch soon on the campus of FGU, an old mansion. We rented that out and we did it ourselves. So I don't know if we saved money. That was the goal, but we definitely had to plan a lot because we took a lot of that on ourselves to do everything from bringing literally the liquor in (laughs) for the bar (laughs) to making those little giveaways at the end. So it was a fun experience and my brother just got engaged and now he's going through that as well with his fiance. So I, I feel for you just because nothing has gotten any less expensive. And, and that's part of what we talk about here on well-being in your wallet, right? All the different things that truly add up. Life stages, great opportunity to have wonderful memories, but a memory costs you something, <laughs> right? In terms Definitely. of finance, for sure. certainly does. Well, I want to welcome everybody now after our icebreaker question. And thank you, Grant and Jessica, as well as Sean for starting out. But as I said, well-being in your wallet. We've been at this for a couple of podcasts now, and we love to reconnect with you all, especially this time of year as things are coming into focus. It's tax season time and it's, you know, sweetheart time for Valentine's Day, but it's definitely always finance and well-being time here at Affinity. I'm Jackie Kearns, the Chief Brand and Strategy Officer here at Affinity, and I'd like to introduce the other colleagues here with me today, officially. Why don't I turn to you, Grant? I'm Grant Gallagher, the Head of Financial Wellbeing and Brand Communications here at Affinity. My name is Sean Lubitz. I'm the Vice President of Retail and Digital Branching at Affinity. And I'm Jessica Henley, and I'm the Brand and Communications Manager here at Affinity. So thank you for again for joining us today as our special guest, Jess. Uh, we're going to pivot right over to our, our main topic of conversation, which is really family finances. You know, how everybody tackles their finances differently, how you're keeping the peace, how you're making sure that everybody is uh, getting their bills paid. So, you know, just to kind of kick this conversation off, um, you know, how do you decide together what is worth your big splurges? You know, uh, what, what method do you figure out whether you're going to, pay your rent or, or if you're going to go and buy that home. Um, how do you prioritize your expenditures in general? I can tackle it first because I was still to be this. I think I haven't never really tackled it. Honestly, I think when I think that I'm doing well, then there's something that I've done that I say, wow, I did not do that well. What am I going to course correct on? And where am I going to move things to? And the one thing I've learned maybe in the most recently since I joined Affinity the more I have in one place, the better off I usually am. So my big budgeting or finance tip is to consolidate. If you could see everything within one location, you're much better off than kind of moving it around a bit. And um, that's really been the discipline I've taken on is just having it with affinity here to look at it and see a lot more of the picture of am I saving for my two daughters in their college or am I not saving enough for retirement? Because as an employee, I can look at that information as well. Benefit of working for a credit union, you can see both your finances and your retirement pretty easily. But consolidation, I think that's my big benefit, uh, Grant, if you will. More I can see in one place, the better off I am at least to manage it. I love it. I I, I do some of the same. And uh, from that perspective too, I, I try to I try to ease the amount of effort required involved in a lot of our finances. You know, usually my wife and I will have an initial conversation about any sort of major change, but beyond that, you know, we we subscribe to the the Ron Popeil school of uh, budgeting and, and finance, and it's set it and forget it. You know, and I think I probably lost half the audience on that reference, but hey, you know, I <laughs> I threw it out there. We got it. 
about, how about you, Sean? Yeah, I, I think from my perspective, <clears throat> you both hit the nail on the head as far as just making it easy, right? Every, everybody wants things to be easy and top of mind. You want to be able to go to one place, look at your finances um, very holistically. And again, when you're trying to move money, make that as easy a process as possible. With me and my wife, obviously, the older you get, the more responsibilities you gain, right? And it's, it's amazing. At the same time, it makes it very, very hard to budget. So budgeting um, when we didn't have kids and we weren't homeowners was a little easier. Um, but we try to plan out our year every year with the big purchases. So we look at what do we want to do to our home, right? This year, this year is putting a deck on the back of our house. That's one of our big purchases. Uh, we also look at vacations, right? What, what kind of vacation do we want to go on? Um, is it Disney? I feel like we've talked about this in past podcasts, right? Is it the expense of Disney or is it simply going to a lake house in Pennsylvania for a weekend? Um, really budgeting out what works for us and puts us in the best financial situation. Again, relieving the future stress of finances throughout the year is really, really key to us. Um, again, it sounds very, very good in January, February when you're budgeting and planning, but obviously preparing for the unexpected throughout the year as well. Again, as you have those responsibilities, such as a home and three children, you know, the unexpected does happen. So you need some, some savings prepared for those as well. Yeah. And I, I think one of the things that that's really been important in, in my financial love, love life is uh, making sure that we have some slack in the budget. And, and what I mean there is, you know, we're not scrutinizing every penny. And this is a, a concept that we, we think about a lot in well-being. And it's making sure you have some discretionary spending to enable you to do, you know, go out to eat once in a while, spend on your hobbies, you know, make sure that you're, you're not just living paycheck to paycheck, penny to penny. But, you know, if my wife wants to go out and buy, you know, 50, they're called skeins of yarn. I don't know what that means, but <laughs> you know, goes out and splurges on a bunch of yarn, she can do it without having to like, you know, really go and, and bust out the Excel sheet and, and, and rework our budget. So it's like, we're, we're very lucky that, that we've kind of built that into what our budget is that we don't have to talk about it when, you know, I go out and buy the latest video game and, and, you know, don't have to feel guilty about it. Cause we, we already budgeted to have some, a little bit of extra there. Um, so what do, do you all look at how, financial well-being is in your household? Is that a conversation that, that you guys have? I think more so than not because I have two uh, 15 and 16-year-olds who think that, you remember the old adage, money is not printed on trees when I was growing up. Well, money is not just initially de deposited into your Venmo or Zelle account, right? And it comes from somewhere. And I think that's the big discussion right now as they're preparing. They all have to take a financial literacy course as you know, grant very close to your own heart. It's one of those core things that we do in the state of New Jersey for our, I think it's even middle school through high school now yep. in many of the places, right? So my daughters will be doing theirs over the summer. And I think when we talk about well-being, obviously financial wellness is important, your budgeting and how you look at it, but how you react. And my daughters are very different how they react. One is a saver. She likes to look at her accounts on the mobile device, you know, see when every penny is just, you know, when's the interest rate going up, mom? Because I heard the interest rates have to go up on, on savings <laughs> accounts. She'll actually ask me that question. And my other daughter could, you know, I don't know if she ever even knows what an interest rate is or ever will, right? <laughs> so they're very much on that spectrum of very concerned versus it'll just be there if I need it. And I think that's what we're trying to teach them is, you know, how does it actually impact what you can do to your point? What can you buy? How much is too many things that you are buying? Um, and let's face it, they have so much more access. We all do online 
or even when you still go into a physical location and buy something. So we talk a lot about it just in common sense terms. Um, and after the financial literacy course, I guess I'll, I'll get quizzed a little bit more on my own acumen and readiness if they come home with some big things. I'll ask Grant or ask her to help me out there. Yeah, if you need help, you, you know a guy. I know a guy. I know two guys, actually. And uh, anybody out there listening, please come to Affinity. We'll, we'll introduce you to our guys as well. <laughs> yeah, I think just again, when we talk about financial well-being, me and my wife have had this conversation a lot, actually, with our daughters. So we have three daughters. As any parent, you don't want to see your kids see you stressed over your financial situation, right? You try to hide that as much as you can. Even if you are stressed, you don't want them to see it. But I think it's very, very important to Jackie's point, the financial literacy and teaching your children Again, we've spoken about this, you know, at length in the past about wants, needs, budgeting. Um, they don't need to be experts, you know, at the age of eight, 11 years old. But at the same point, they need to understand the value of money. Um, and my daughters are very, very different. Um, to your point, Jackie, I have one who wants to volunteer. She wants to donate. She wants to work. She wants to earn money. The other one thinks, you know, having a debit card is just an, an unlimited amount of funds. So when we go to the store, whatever you want, it's not actual cash, right? You, you swipe your card and it comes from, you know, it magically appears and we can get whatever we want. So we're really trying to focus on them understanding the value of money and, and the effort and the work and the understanding that goes into putting yourself in a good financial situation. Again, ultimately relieving that stress and that financial burden um, in the future as they do get older and they take on more responsibility. Yeah, I think it's interesting as a parent to see a little bit of yourself in your children and how they may either be great at handling it or not so great at handling it. But I'm also interested in hearing, you know, Jess, as you're starting to, you know, have a collaboration with your partner as you look to, you know, now moving in through engagement to planning wedding, what, you know, how do your um, two personalities money-wise line up? You know, is it something that you look to him and you think it's, is he teaching you things about budgeting finance or are you teaching him things and vice versa? I would say, I mean, I would say between the two of us, I'm definitely more of the spender. He's definitely more of the saver. Um, but I think inherently with wedding planning, you find how important saving is collectively um, to have all the people we love uh, with us on that day. It unfortunately costs quite a bit of money, especially in our area, unfortunately, but uh, we're, we're teaching each other things. I think as we're growing up, as we're gaining more responsibility, we have a home. Um, we're looking to get a pet sometime soon. Obviously kids are in the future. Um, there's a lot of things to consider. And I think we're, we're certainly teaching each other things as time goes on. It's a great, it's a great point. Cause I think I want to ask Grant too, uh, about the pet part, because you're right. There's certain things like there's the milestone of having your loved ones at your ceremony or your wedding itself. And then there's the moving in. Some do it before, some do it after they found their partner. But I'm looking at Grant because Grant has two beautiful twin daughters, but he also has a dog named Pixel. So I want to know, did you and Katie talk about Pixel and the financial responsibilities of taking care of your pet first? And then have you built in? How did your your love language around finance (laughs) start? (laughs) No, totally. I I mean, Pixel was our our first baby and, and, you know, responsible pet ownership really requires annual checkups and, you know, money in the bank in case something happens. I I mean, believe it or not, uh, very few people have pet insurance and those pet bills, if you've been through it, they can be quite a bit. I mean, Pixel has has definitely made a a couple of emergency trips to the vet and, you know, those are uh, 
a, a pretty significant multi-hundred dollar bill that, that come through down the line. So, I mean, that's definitely something that needs to be in an emergency fund when you're planning and having that conversation. Um, you know, and, and pivoting over to kids, I mean, gosh, daycare, I, I can't, I can't even begin to, to, I mean, if you told me daycare was this expensive when, when we were planning to have kids, I might've had a, a second thought there and been like, well, you know, maybe let's get more dogs. <laughs> more pixels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, it, it's, it's such an interesting, yeah. Day, I think daycare and I, I did not do this well, but I did always hear this. If you save what you pay in daycare, you're going to have quite the college nest egg too right? oh, yes. for those daughters and sons out there. But I also think you're, um, you're going into another topic we wanted to talk about is not only past spending habits, but future budgeting, right? So you, you hit on something really important. You, you kind of move through your life because of the different care that you're giving somebody or they're giving you. But what else did you learn about budgeting right after the girls came? Because you had two at the same yeah. time. Those That's what twins are, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> <And what happened laughs> to all the expenses, did they double or what happened there? Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of a, a, a drip effect where you because I mean, as a first time parent, you didn't really know what to expect. So you kind of had some of the stuff you could budget for. You're like, Oh, diapers, they're expensive. Oh, baby food, you know, figure that out. But then it's like all this stuff and you don't realize what all this other stuff is. And you don't realize that kids grow so quickly that it's not like, Oh, you're not buying them clothes on an annual basis. It's like sometimes on a monthly basis that they go through so quickly. So it's like, what we did was, you know, we kind of took it bit by bit and kind of figured out where we could pull the levers to adjust it. And it was a very fluid, ongoing conversation, probably only up until about a year ago. You know, they're almost three now. So for those first two years, it was just constantly looking at what we needed to pivot to and figure out where we could save money. And, you know, hopefully we didn't get a revolt because we switched to the brand name Cheerio or the uh, store, store name Cheerios instead of the brand name. Um, but it's, you know, before that, we were really only looking at our budgeting from a maybe biannual basis. You know, it was it was really only when, when something majorly changed or like when we saw that really cool vacation that we really wanted to take and we're like, okay, now we need to adjust some things here and there. Um, but that was that was kind of our approach to it. And, and one thing that we also talked about um, before, and I wanted to ask you guys uh, all different ways of thinking about this, but did you combine finances after you got married or did you keep them separate and when the Cheerios became the oat ho-hos or whatever they call them, <laughs> did you say, hey, Katie, I'm not paying for Cheerios anymore, but if you want to pay for them, you can. How, how did that conversation work? Because I'd love to hear from Jess and Sean on that too. Combined finances are separate yeah. or, or uh, hybrid. Yeah, I, I could kick that off. So me and my wife, as soon as we moved in together and got our first apartment, we really combined everything. Um, we, we paid the bills out of a joint account. We did have separate accounts, but... We always knew what each other had. We knew where the money was going. So the, the communication was always there. Now, my wife is fortunate enough to stay home with my daughters. Um, so right now, we are a one-income family. Um, so really, you know, I know where the money goes. She knows where the money goes. It is, it is all joint. But we, I think, again, the biggest thing is communication, just understanding the numbers. We've, we've always kind of had that mentality. It was never her bill versus mine. Um, it was always... How are we going to pay for this? What are we going to do? Um, whether there, there was two incomes or just one, we've always kind of looked at it again as, as our bills, not mine versus hers. So a similar situation for me. When we first moved in with one another, we the first thing we did was open up a joint checking and savings account. Um, we still do have our own individual accounts, but any bill-related uh, payments, any of that money goes right to those accounts. 
um, you know, we found that monthly budgeting worked best for us just because a lot of our bills come in monthly. So we've been trying to follow that as time goes on, um, you know, looking at sort of the major payments, the mortgage payment, the utilities, anything having to do with the car. We even look at an estimated grocery bill per month and we make sure that there's enough money allocated in those accounts for um, all of those items. So, I mean, that's worked best for us thus far. Um, Savings is a different story. I think, you know, we try to save um, at least a quarter to a half of what's left over after all of those payments have been made. Um, and then we save the rest for that quote unquote fun money. So I think we'll continue that way because it works for us. Um, maybe that'll change once we're married, but we are two income household. So, um, you know, it's, it's not a one size fits all situation. I think it's, you know, whatever works best for you as a couple. As I say, Jess, you're the most mature out of all of us on this. <laughs> we're like, we're all taking notes, everybody. Anyone that's listening. You are in a good we're, spot. We're certainly learning quite we're learning quickly. Um, it, it's it's good to be organized, but it's it's not always been this easy. So, you know, we're going to keep working on it, um, keep saving, hopefully, you know, find what what works best for us as, as time goes on. But but yeah, it's been uh, it's been good. I like it. I, I, I took a similar hybrid approach where it, I think it was when we moved in, we, we got a joint account. Um, and then we've we've just kind of paid a lot of the big bills out of that, you know, we, we pay the, the mortgage out of that. We pay our insurance out of that. We consolidated our insurance together to make sure that we were saving the most that we could. And that that's honestly where I think we've, we've spent the most of our focus on when it comes to consolidating is that economies of scale. You know, it's like if you have your own, both own insurance, it's probably more expensive than consolidating. Um, and then a lot of the stuff was just moving, moving bills to automate from that account. So we both have that scope. But we both still have our own separate accounts that, you know, have a lot of fun money in it. And, you know, we do a lot of our spending out of there. And it's never, you know, it's never really caused any friction. Even though sometimes I will say when I see my wife pull out the Amex, I'm like, wait a second. I know a credit card that pays better points than your Amex. (laughs) You should be using the Affinity one instead. You know, but otherwise I kind of leave her to do her thing of of her own own side of the, the wallet. You're all saying different things that uh, I thought were really interesting coming from a couple's perspective. But I wonder if most couples are successful couples because of this big part of the finance discussion. You know, when you were talking just before, I thought, wow, that's a great way of setting yourself up for success as you're taking on one of the biggest expenses as a couple in your wedding planning. But also, as Grant said, when the kids come along or the additional pets come along in some of our households, there's a lot more that has to be solved for. So, What's the stress behavior like at home, guys, when the big expense comes in or Katie took her Amex out and had too many balls of yarn show up <laughs> at the Gallagher <laughs> household? Like, have you been in a situation where you said, oh, wow, that has to be done? How are we going to afford it? You know, the unexpected nature of the rainy day savings being used. Yeah, I think they, for for me and my wife, it's it's more how does it affect future spending? Um, so we've been fortunate enough. We haven't been in a situation, knock on wood, where, you know, everything has kind of come crumbling down because of an unexpected expense. But we've definitely had to pivot from future plans because of unexpected expenses. So, again, being a homeowner, we have multiple dead trees in our in our yard that are close to our home. And you would never think about the actual cost it takes to have someone come in and remove those trees and take them down. 
Uh, I'm the kind of person that would love to attempt it myself. My wife says that is not a good idea. So there's definitely the the uh, additional I, expense I agree of with her, Sean, having those just trees. Just for the record. Yeah. The Aflac <laughs> yeah, deck will show up battle. if you take it on yourself. <laughs> I will be here for the next podcast because my wife told me not to try to take the tree down myself. And, but, uh, and Sean, I thought you said unexpected. debt trees, like, you know, being in debt. A debt tree, like a money tree is in some houses. You put a debt tree in your yard. I'm like, why would he put a debt tree out there? But I dead, D-E-A-D, multiple, got it. Multiple debt trees for sure as well. But yes, dead trees to take down. So it's all those unexpected expenses. Um, and then just, again, continuing to have open communication and pivoting. Because again, I think we create, we have control over our, our stress to an extent. So again, budgeting, ensuring you have those, you know, the funds for a rainy day or emergencies is key. And then just making sure you're on the same page when you do have to pivot. I think that's that's the key to, again, relieving some of that stress. I think the most stressful time, um, Rory and myself, we moved into a house after being in an apartment for a few years when we first got married. And the house was old and we knew it had a lot to do. Um, we actually had a, a really um, big budget for uh, us at the time, which I think was like $5,000 to do you know, new electrical, uh, new windows, new everything. And then the one thing they sold us on to buy this old house was the roof is relatively new with the exception of the first big rainstorm when we moved in and everything was coming through the roof. Oh no! <laughs> so it was kind of one of those like, you know, do we just burn this thing down or do we stick with it? Because <laughs> at that point it was, it was a lot of uh, interesting emotional dialogue. But then at the end of the day, I think knowing who you could go to if you needed to, which we did, we looked at um, our partner and you know partners in finance at that time and said, what can we take from you know is it a, a purchase that we make that we put on a credit card? Do we do something more that's a loan? Do we consolidate some of these things that we're seeing? So after we were married and had a good sizable nest egg which we thought could work for us, we had those things come up and we really had to reconnect on what's the best way of kind of paying down some of this or getting credit to pay over time. So I think it's also not just about the savings part, but when you have to borrow, that seemed to be where we were a little bit more stressed because we never really had done that as a couple before. The mortgage, yes, but that's a long-term commitment, right? And you can kind of figure that finance part out. It's all the unexpected things that happened. We call it, if you ever saw this old, old movie called The Money Pit, it was kind of like that. It was like things were just not staying together. And luckily we stayed together. <laughs> so it was one of those points of just working through it. But I think you're right, Sean. It's like kind of knowing where you can do your own thing versus having to kind of bring in the professionals to do some of the other stuff. Yeah. And you, and you make a really, really great point too of just, it doesn't always have to be savings. It can be what you look at as far as borrowing, but ensuring that you put yourself in a position again, that you have those funds available, um, whether it is a credit card or a home equity line of credit. Sometimes some of the most difficult times to get that um, those lines extended to you are when you really need it. So really planning and putting, putting the lending in place just in case, again, of an emergency is absolutely just as critical as putting you know, 25 to 50% of that, that excess income into a savings account. So having a plan in place absolutely is key. And again, relieve some of that stress as well. Yeah. And Grant, I just want to ask you that, uh, you know, question because you go out and you do a lot of these different um, conferences for us at Affinity, but you know, what is the range of savings that one should be thinking about? You know, there are people who don't choose to be with their partner and are either doing this by themselves or doing with another family member. Like what amount of money is a, a good amount of maybe months in the savings category that should be a good guidepost, you feel? 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of thought around this. I, I generally stick to six months, I think, is, is an achievable uh, level to have, you know, realistically, depending on how the job market looks. I mean, if if it's a really tight job market and it's really hard to, to get a job, you should probably shoot for more just in case you get laid off. Um, but it, it also depends on your situation. Um, you know, if you are comfortable doing gig work, if you're comfortable getting going out and getting like a second job as backup to have a little bit more leniency, if, if you find yourself in a tough spot, that that's helpful. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really probably best to talk to somebody to, to assess what your situation is, um, because they can help give you that guidance. They can help you figure out what that, what that level is. Um, you know, personally, I'm, I'm lucky where, you know, my wife and I are, are planners, you know, she actually did teach financial literacy even before we, we got together as, as a high school teacher. So she she was a little bit more uh, in tune with with the financial world and, and how to manage your finances than, than the average person. Um, but the, the key there, I think, is also the our willingness to talk about it. You know, nobody nobody gets upset because somebody didn't plan for somebody something. Nobody gets upset because, you know, that bill came through that was a little bit higher than expected. Uh, we just sit down, talk about it, and, and figure out what the next step is. And luckily, because we're planners, uh, we do have a fair amount of credit available to us if that savings doesn't cover it. And it's really just talking through what that next step is, figuring out how we're going to retweak that budget to what our reality is now and you know, not let emotion get too involved in, in the conversation. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think um, we're going to talk about what came in to us through the mailbag here and just talk a little bit about how talking through things helps the emotional maybe temperature go down or sometimes temperature go up, depending on how you speak to one another. <laughs> so, you know, you want to talk a little bit about what came in through the mail, um, Greg, because I think that's a really good question for um, definitely Jess and Sean to kind of answer back on if they wouldn't mind. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, so our usual member mailbag segment, and just a reminder that if you have a question or comment for our member mailbag, you can send it to at affinity FCU on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag member mailbag. So jumping over to the question, uh, it is my significant other and I are planning to move in together, but we have different incomes. Do you think we should split the rent 50, 50 or the person with the higher income pays more? Ooh, it's a good one. All right. What do you guys think? Jess, I'll let you take this one first. So I think I mentioned before, finances, your feelings about finances, it's not a one-size-fits-all situation. Um, you know, I think in this case, it's a little different for each couple. I think it, it does boil down to communication at the end of the day. Um, but if you find that, you know, splitting it 50-50 doesn't quite work for you, um, you know, maybe if you're paying a little less, then, you know, maybe you pick up a few smaller additional expenses per month to help alleviate that stress on your partner. Um, you know, there's different ways to do it. I, again, there's no right or wrong here, um, but I think it's whatever is best for you as a couple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think you you are absolutely right. There is no right or wrong. Right. So even when I talk about me and my wife's situation, I have a lot of friends and family members that manage their finances differently, um, whether they're married engaged or just dating. But what I would say is every situation is different and communication is absolutely the key and being open and honest about the numbers. And one of the benefits here at Affinity is we have 18 branches across three different states. We also have our, our digital branch over the phone um, full of amazing individuals who are happy to have this dialogue with you and your partner um, to help you identify what is the best situation for you, what is the best way to plan and budget so that moving forward, 
you put yourself in the best financial situation and again, have a positive impact on your financial well-being. So what I would say is just echoing what Jess said, um, you know, it is not one size fits all. Every situation is different, but that's what affinity is here for. Um, so I do encourage everybody, please come meet in person with one of our representatives in our, our branches across New Jersey, New York and Connecticut, or even connect with one of our representatives over the phone in our digital branch, because again, that's what we, we enjoy having these conversations. So please reach out to us and uh, we are happy to help. Great. Yeah. I think the other thing too, to think through before you make any decisions, whether it's moving in or we'll talk a little bit about our mortgage spotlight in a second, it's really understanding what is the the value overall that you're looking to have to each other, right? So if one person makes more than another person makes, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a value difference. It's just an income difference. And I think that's the respect that Joss and both Sean were alluding to. It's also very um, common that people have separate properties, right? That they're moving away from their home or into another home. And it's having that discussion very early on and working through that. Um, we're going to spotlight the affinity mortgage process in a second here, but I do think to Sean's point, we have some of the best uh, mortgage lending officers in the business who can really help you talk through what you can afford and what your credit looks like. But more importantly, what's your overall desired endpoint, right? Is it to consolidate your homes? It's to move out of those two apartments that you're paying high rent. I have a lot of friends who still live in New York City and they pay a lot more in rent than I ever paid on my home for my mortgage. So it's all those discussions. And like Sean, you said best, we are the relationship specialists out there here to help you in the marketplace. So Grant, I don't know if you want to weigh in, but I definitely know we want to talk about our spotlight product, which <laughs> I know you have a lot to cover. <laughs> yes, yes. No, that is a, a wonderful uh, transition there, Jackie. So thank you. Um, you know, with our Affinity Mortgage product, you can save more. Uh, you can get a mortgage stress-free and affordable with personalized guidance and no lender fees with an array of mortgage loans built to achieve your unique financial goals. Uh, you know, whether it's a fixed rate product or a variable rate product, uh, we typically have zero lender fees and cash rewards at closing, as well as a rate lock program. So we really want to make sure that you can get into the home of your dreams. So make sure to either visit affinityfcu.com for more information about our mortgages or visit one of our local branches and they can uh, help you on that process. You know, I also did want to note there, we do have a very comprehensive uh, first-time homebuyer program as well. So please make sure to visit our education section on our website to learn more about that. You can find out all about the whole home buying process and it is quite a process as I'm sure anybody who's done it recently can attest to. Um, so please make sure to uh, learn more there. Yeah, it's a great time to be looking inventory of homes, especially for some of the first time home buyers out there is picking back up. Last year, it was very tight. And I know people are concerned about where the rates are. Um, when you think back to a few years ago, rates are sort of where they were about 2007, 2008. So, you know, rates change over time, but we're here to help guide you through that process and find the best product and home for you. So Carolyn Morgan-Besser and her team are top notch and we're here to happy and help any way we can. So a great discussion today, everybody. I think that um, there's a lot of coverage in the topic of whether you're splitting the check and how you manage your financial well-being as a couple, or if you're actually you know, writing those rules together because you are just starting your life together. Uh, a lot of great feedback from Jess and Sean and Grant. Uh, I especially want to thank Jess as a guest star today. Jess, you've definitely proven that you have the financial fortitude to be on this podcast with us anytime. So you're welcome back. And we thank you for your time today. Um, we'd love to hear how you're progressing too with your plans over time. And 
definitely, I'm sure there's a lot out there, a lot of team members and a lot of, you know, listeners who are going through that very same thing. And what's the next life stage we're planning for? So if there's any help needed, um, Sean, I'm sure your team, as you said before, happy to come into one of our 18 locations, uh, a new location opening in a few months in Madison, New Jersey. But any other um, time that they need you, they can call in, right? And, and reach you Absolutely. all via the digital branch. Absolutely. Yep. And Grant, I know you have a slew of financial literacy courses. Now that I know Katie has done that work before, we can re-enlist her. <laughs> but um, you know, some of our online tools as well as our in-person uh, programs are back up and running, correct? Yes, definitely. We are out in the communities uh, teaching teaching everybody who needs it, uh, as well as our usual online resources are available for anybody who likes webinars. So uh, please make sure to check check that out. Excellent. So, you know, another episode in the uh, books here, everybody. We thank you again for listening, giving us your feedback. Um, please, you know, send stuff into the member mailbag. But Wellbeing in Your Wallet podcast is here to help you with your financial well-being and we thank you all again. I'll turn it back to Grant to, to close us out. All right. Thank you, Jackie. Uh, just a reminder that if you have a question or comment for a future member mailbag segment, please send it to AffinityFCU on Facebook or Twitter with the hashtag member mailbag. Make sure to rate, like, and subscribe for more from the Wellbeing in Your Wallet podcast. And you can visit AffinityFCU.com for additional information about financial well-being and all Affinity products. And thank you so much for listening today. 